Tonight on the Commune Podcast, the decisions you'll make when riding a dragon in Panzer Dragoon. Hello and welcome everybody to the Commune Podcast. I'm your host, Golem, and I'm here with three intrepid guests whom I'll ask to introduce themselves in alphabetical order. Uh, so, Shouty, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. All right. Adrian, how are you doing? Pretty good. All right. And yourself, how are you? What the hell alphabet are you using? Well, he's Yakoma, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Shouty, Panzer Dragoon pretty prominently features a lock-on system where you paint a target on or you paint a reticle on the screen over an enemy and then the dragon locks on for you and aims a laser at it so i was wondering have you played any other games with a lock-on system oh yeah plenty one that sticks out to me is the one in halo or halo 2 i think it's i can't remember which but uh, with the rocket launcher you can <clears throat> lock on to uh, enemy vehicles with the rocket launcher in the uh, the rocket will go directly to it. Okay. Does that work pretty much like Panzer Dragoon? With uh like aiming the reticle and then it hangs on to that lock? Yeah. It it works this in much in the same way. It's it's a little more delayed though, because it's a rocket and not a and not a, <laughs> a laser. Right, not at a mysterious dragon laser. Right. Um Alright, so you have some familiarity with how this works. Adrian, do you have a favorite lock-on system? If we're talking like lock-on in general, it, obviously I, I really like the way they do it in Zelda. It's probably one of the best for that type of game, uh, but in a more shooting context, uh, I really like the way they do it in Splatoon. The Tena missiles. Yeah, explain how that works to us. So, as opposed to painting the screen... Or swinging yourself in a circle like Gamma in Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> in Splatoon, it's just you have a your cursor is basically an expanded cone, and you try to get as many targets in it as possible. Huh. So it's less a precise reticle, or like a laser, which is basically a dot, and more a broader area. You try to fit as many targets into as you can. Yeah. Okay. Yourself, do you have a favorite lock-on system? It's kind of like saying, do you have a favorite jump? Like, it's such a, it's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to say Ocarina of Time, but the thing about, like, a lock-on system is that that's just, like, the interface for firing a weapon. So the rocket that Shouty described in Halo 2 is a rocket. Like, it has to travel through space to home in on a target and make contact with it. Whereas in Panzer Dragoon, like it's just, um, it's completely different. It's something that goes through walls. So anyway, for a, an odd duck example, Death Smiles 2 has a mode you can switch into where all the enemy projectiles will lock onto you and then you can drag them around and they'll follow you around. And when you exit the mode or terminate it or whatever, 
everything fires off away from you at exactly the exactly out along the radius uh, from where it's facing you. So you basically swim around on the screen collecting all these projectiles around you and then release and they all fire out in straight lines. That sounds incredibly strange. It's like a reverse lock-on system. It's awesome. I'd have to check that out. Yeah. I wanted to say Star Fox 64 and I think Zero and um, Command work the same way where um, it's a lock-on a lot like the the regular you know painting an enemy to lock on thing but in Star Fox 64 you commit to the first enemy that you lock on to so once you get that lock on you have to fire at that enemy in specific and the whole scoring system turns on that idea that you can only mm-hmm. lock on to one guy that's yeah that's kind of the crux of uh kind of my issues with Panzer Dragoon although I'm sorry I may have gone ahead of myself well, whatever. Okay, because to me, I feel like that's the topic we're getting into, which is what are what's our thoughts on this multi-lock-on system? Because certainly one of the criticisms you can aim at it is when you base your game where it does most of the shooting and aiming for you. It's one of the reasons why I'm kind of like not so enthusiastic about uh, Panzer Dragoon, because painting the screen is not to me, as interesting as being able to shoot down targets in 3D space. Well, that's why I wanted to highlight as soon as possible that there's a difference with what the projectiles do that makes a big difference to the homing system that um, I think is actually where the distinction Panzer Dragoon lies, not so much the actual behavior of locking onto a target. Yeah, there's a... One thing I noticed is... It's just the amount that you rely on it so much, because there are certain enemies where if you use the multi-lock-on, because it's also kind of like your charge shot in a way too, you'll take out those enemies with one shot. But if you try to pellet them, shoot them with like the regular bullet, it takes them a while yet to bring them down. Gameplay in Panzer Dragoon is characterized by two decisions. First, when attacking enemies, the player needs to choose between two attacks. There's a regular bullet shot, and there's a targeted laser. Second, the player needs to find an appropriate viewpoint. The player can rotate the camera 360 degrees around their character. So, in this first segment, I wanted to discuss these decisions with regard to combat. When fighting an enemy, how did you choose which attack to use? And how did you choose where to point the camera? Alright, next I I wanted to discuss how Panzer Dragoon carries out its interplay, the way that the player interacts with the enemy. And so, Shouty, could you describe 
what distinguishes using the regular shot versus using the lock-on? With one of the first enemies, you see those uh, fly creatures from episode one? I think using the lock-on is uh, preferable here because there are so many targets. You have uh, all these little flies hovering above the Venus flytrap uh, like a uh, creature, so you want to get them all in one go before you get too close. Yeah, there's like a gaggle of them in that flytrap, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you killed them all with a normal shot, you'd have to like hammer the shot button. Right, and you have to make sure your shots even hit, and there's so many small targets that might not be feasible. Yeah. Is there any variety with the camera using a front view versus a side view with those guys? No, there are only two of those uh, sets of enemies. So I think, and you you find them straight at forward, so it's not like they appear from the side or anything. They're also pretty stationary, so I can't imagine using the camera all that much. But you will want to stick to the front view just so you can avoid getting eaten by the, the Venus flytrap light creature just by moving away from it. Yeah, that's a little wrinkle in Panzer Dragoon's design. Why do you want to be in the front view? Oh, yeah. When you aim, you also move at the same time when you're in the front view. So but any other view, you'll just aim and you'll be stationary. Yeah, you can only reposition yourself if you're looking forward. Right. All right. That's that enemy. <laughs> um, yourself or uh, Adrian, did you have any thoughts? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of them, and you see them from really far away, and so you can easily. And there's not much going on. Like you get the. I think the first ones overlap a little bit with the previous enemy, but the second set of them overlaps only with the first set of them. And by overlap, I mean, like, enemies that can be attacking you at the same time. Like, Panzer Dragoon has a fair bit of enemies hanging around after they're already quote-unquote dead. Or if you just miss them, uh, because it's an auto-scrolling game, you can just pass things without killing them. So, they don't really overlap with all that much, so you can focus on them completely. And because of that, uh, that tends to be tends to favor the lock-on laser because the lock-on laser has a small amount of charge time. So when you have multiple targets that you're trying to split your... Or when you have targets that you need to quickly shift between or quickly respond to, the bullet tends to be more effective because it doesn't have any charging time. But when you have a single multi-part target, which is really what these guys are, they are like a cloud, the laser dominates, and so you get a clear shot coming at them. They're all grouped together really closely, and I think there's less than eight of them in a group. And eight is, I believe, the maximum lock-ons for the laser, or it is according to the manual. So you can just lock onto the whole crowd and let it rip. So it's a pretty outsized benefit for using the lock-on in that situation. Yeah, there's not really any point to using the bullet. And 
the front view versus side view consideration is like, well, the enemy's coming at you from the front, so you don't really have a choice of what view you're going to use. It's not even a matter of needing to dodge. Like, you just you won't be able to see them. And side view or rear view, what are you looking at? <laughs> well, actually, one thing that Shouty mentioned was that um, you need the front view to dodge the fly trap, and it is worth noting that the uh, trap itself is stationary and invincible. So it's not like a lot of other things in the game where if you kill it in time, you're good. Yeah, I so I guess, right. I said there was no overlap or very little overlap. But if you consider the cloud of flies and the plant and the water to be separate enemies, then those are a pairing. Yeah. Uh, I guess that would be counterpoint, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll look it up later. Uh, <laughs> so yourself, while we're on you, could you describe Get off? <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe uh, interplay with an enemy? Uh oh yeah. So in map three or level three, I call everything map episode now, three. You're playing <laughs> right episode three. <laughs> you're playing first person shooters for such a long time. Um, in episode three, at towards the end or just before the boss, the last set of enemies you see are these. They're like two-part enemies or two-stage where they're on the ground. They look sort of like a... The only thing I can think to describe it is a motorcycle with a sidecar, even though they don't really look like that that much. Um, and they move along the ground initially, and then um, they take off eventually. And when they take off, they drop the sidecar and then start dropping fire bombs towards you. They'll drop, each one drops a stream of them. So once again, this is the only time you encounter this enemy. Uh, there's probably like a dozen of them or so here. They last for kind of a long time because they move along with you. Uh, so unlike the pods that Shadow was talking about, which are stationary and are passed at whatever the scroll rate is, these guys, uh, you have to have a better... Well, in theory, you should need to survive them. So what I did, like, to try and test them and figure out, like, the... Or understand the behavior a little bit better is I first played without shooting them at all just to see what they did on their own. So on their own, they do exactly what I just described. They start on the ground, drop the side pot, pod, uh, take off and then start dropping firebombs. So that's the easiest way to deal with them because it's super easy to dodge like a slow projectile in Panzer Dragoon. So not shooting them is basically the best way to get through. Like just don't try shooting anything. And that's probably true of a lot of Panzer Dragoon. It's something that I didn't really test because um, it's not a very fun way to play the game. <laughs> but it is the case that, like, most of the challenge you end up making for yourself by trying to steer towards something to aim at it, but that also taking you into the path of the projectile. So I guess I to describe the behavior of that bomb, like, it moves towards the camera or along the rail, basically. I don't, it's not exactly parallel to it, probably, but it doesn't home in or anything. It bounces along the ground and makes an arc, but it's very slow. And it's hard to read the exact arc uh, just because of the um, 
lack of interpolation uh, and just the camera angle in general or the camera lens in general. But yeah, because of that, you don't need to steer into their path to fight them. Or if you, you're not forcing yourself to steer into their path to target them, then you can just steer around the projectiles uh, and it's a piece of cake. Like you barely even need to move really uh, because they're not targeting you. But if you do want to kill them, uh, and I guess that's why the scoring system is based around percentage of kills, because uh, it's otherwise is so weakly incentivized to try to kill anything. Again, other than the fact that you're playing a shooting game and you want to shoot stuff. Uh, so if you do go for killing them, you try to use the lock-on laser. This is where it gets a little bit complicated, because I... I tested this out for a little bit. I could probably figure it out better if I tested it out more. I didn't, with like a 20 minutes of testing, I didn't really quite get exactly what was happening. But it seems like when they're on the ground, they just absorb the lasers. Like they target the sidecar instead of them, I think. And that doesn't hurt the enemy. And then when they're in the air, they take two lasers to kill. But you can't double lock on them, but maybe you can. I'm not really sure. And you can lock onto their projectiles, which is pretty rare. So in that sense, I mean, even their projectiles, the firebombs are kind of more an enemy in and of themselves. Uh, because, you know, where you want to describe the threshold between a projectile and enemy probably varies from game to game. But I think in Panzer Dragoon, things that you can target with a lock on... Uh, tends to be the class that defines enemies, whereas projectiles like the fireball or the cannonballs fired by the airships, you can shoot, but you can't lock onto. So the firebombs you can lock onto, and with like a half dozen of these guys at a time, there's and them shooting like a projectile every second or so, you can get a lot of them on the screen, and it's because they're moving at some strange trajectory and the bombs are moving in a bouncing trajectory, it's pretty impossible to just target one thing at a time. Inevitably, if you're shooting bullets, your bullets are going to hit the fire bombs before they get to the enemy. And if you're shooting the laser, the laser is going to drag past the fire bombs before you get to the enemy and possibly other enemies. Um, so separating it all out is not something that like and interacting with one at a time is not something I think that the game really makes possible or that the player has any reason to try to do. So I, I just want to say this validates a lot of my own experience where every time I play through the game, I say, you know, this is going to be the run where I don't get hit in a stupid way by those firebombs. But like, <laughs> no matter what I try, it seems to be like, well, I thought I shot something, but then I guess I missed. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a like a UI issue going on here, like at one level, where the player locks on by dragging their cursor across an enemy while holding the... while in lock-on mode. <laughs> it's actually not true that while holding the button is good enough because because of the multiple fire buttons, you can actually be holding a button and not be in lock-on mode, which has screwed me up plenty of times. <laughs> um, there's like a negative edge thing going on. So 
if you're in lock-on mode, drag the cursor across the enemy, you get a lock-on, and the lock-on is displayed as a glowing or blinking um, reticle or, or Target. targeting cursor. Or, right. It's just a little circle around them that lets you know that they're locked on or you are locked onto them. But some enemies you can multi-target and I, either that's not indicated by the reticle itself or it's indicated in a subtle enough way that I've never noticed it. And then on top of that, so like by comparison, if you look at uh, like Sonic Lost World is a game where you can multi-target enemies. And if you target the same if you have three locks on the same target, you'll see three concentric circles on it to show that it's it's going to get hit by three homing attacks. Whereas in Panzer Dragoon, I don't know any way to tell that. And because of just the level at which the graphics are happening, it's hard to... Um, or the just the speed of the gameplay, it's hard to tell how many targets you have locked on. So... So could <laughs> like, you... I, I guess... Uh... Could you boil that down to, like, it's hard because there's a lot of complexities and some of them are even, like, just, uh, it's hard to understand what the game is even saying, but could you boil that down to a distinction of what it's like to approach them with shots versus lasers? So the thing about using, like, bullets to try to get them is that with bullets, they hit whatever the first thing they collide with in 3D spaces. So if there's a firebomb coming at you and that's in front of an enemy that's dropping it at you, the first bullet is going to hit the bomb and then the bullet behind it's going to pass through and hit whatever the next target is. So it's like a, a ray that only hits one thing. Whereas the, the lock on laser does a full line intersect. So if you're on, if you're in charge on mode and you put your cursor in the same place on top of a firebomb that's in front of an enemy, then you'll lock on to both of those things. And if you can lock on to either of them multiple times, you will. And you do get like little beeps to indicate more lock ons, but it's not, I mean, there's just a lot of noise happening that it's, you don't, it's not something that's happening at the speed where you can count, oh, that was one, two, three lock-ons. Not for me, at least. So, with the laser, if you, you've you got these enemies that are dropping bombs that are blocking your projectiles that are sort of eating away at your effectiveness of being able to hit him. With the laser, if you line it up on both of them and then release, the lasers are a guaranteed hit. So, they don't need to, you don't need a clear trajectory for the shot. Uh, so that's why it's way more effective in this part where there's all sorts of chaff coming through the screen. Okay. But I, I still don't know like how many shots it takes to kill, how many lasers it takes to kill the enemy. It's one or two, but, uh, I, I just couldn't tell. <laughs> it also seems like this is the kind of scenario where those firebombs coming at you is going to prefer shots later like if you miss the firebombs can be a lot more dispersed across the screen and you might not have time for a lock-on laser to travel to it 
Well, not just not have time for a lock-on laser to travel to it, but you need to move laterally to move the cursor. So if there's a firebomb coming towards you from the left, then to target it, you like I was saying about not needing to shoot everything, if you do want to shoot it, you need to get into its path, basically, to shoot it. Which is why, really, the best approach is just not shooting in this scenario. All right. And... Are there any reflections, any interesting reflections on that enemy with using the camera? This is another one where it's pretty much presented just to come straight at you from the front. I don't know that I've ever bothered trying to look around, but uh, they're within a small enough cone that all the enemies can be on screen at once. Uh, and they will not be on screen if you turn to the sides. Yeah, okay. Adrian, I'm feeling the need to bring up an enemy that talks about the camera. Mm. So I'm wondering, um, could you tell us about using the camera in the opening of episode two, um, not with sandworms, but with the, I think, like, ray enemies that are flying oh, over yeah, the dunes? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Wait, we've, we've got an enemy we name. Okay. Hang on. Uh there was one enemy here that had... Okay, so burrowers are the little sand scorpions. And then... Um, man, the guys with pink tongues are parasites. Okay, yeah, those are the the ones that shoot their tongues at you then. Yeah, those are parasites. Yes. The burrowers and parasites. So those are an enemy that... Well, you start the episode two looking backwards... Uh, first with the burrowers, but then with those enemies. As you go through the level, you will have them spawn behind you, but then they'll gradually, you know, fly beside you and then in front of you to where they will take their shots. Um, and those shots are pretty fast. I've never actually shot them out of the air myself, uh, and especially since I've made a habit of just killing them before they ever reach that point. But that is an example of an enemy that will move through multiple views as you're going through the level. So for you, it's important to uh, shoot them as soon as possible, which suggests to me that you don't see them, you personally don't see them move through multiple views. <laughs> right. I try to get rid of as many of them as I can, although uh, it's one of the reasons why one of, it's important when you're playing Panzer Dragoon to look at that top right corner, especially in that level. Because otherwise those guys will take you completely off guard because they spawned behind you and then made their way in front where they shoot. Because okay. that level is in particular, it starts off where you're looking behind. Those sand burrs, burrowers eventually move in front of you and that's when they spawn the new enemies behind you. So definitely playing with your view to get you to look away from the new enemies that are going to be eventually coming. Yeah, given that that's the open, uh, opening of episode two, that's a smart sort of checking that the player understands the camera system there. Yeah. By contrast, episode four, it starts off with the little bastards behind you, but it's really just that early section, and then after that, you're mostly just looking straight. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like you covered it. Mm-hmm. Well, the can you lock on to the pink tongues when they shoot them? I don't think so. And 
using the regular shots, I've never I've been been able to shoot them out. I do find the the regular shooting in Panzer Dragoon to be finicky. Uh, so you know maybe it's just that I didn't shoot it right. But yeah, you can shoot them for sure. They're en- they're part of the enemy total. Okay. Or I don't know that for sure, but you can shoot them. There are certainly times where it's like, I had that fucking square right over the enemy. It's like, how did it not shoot you? That's kind of like part of the 3D, like the early 3D nature of the game, where like compounded with the rapid fire shot that has a variable firing rate, Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to get a sense of like, why did I miss that? Yeah. Because your shots are sprites too, right? Yeah. So they've got like... A scaling effect that you're trying to to read. If if anything, it it just completely goes to Miyamoto's point on why it was so important that you shoot the lasers are like big rods in Star Fox because it's like oh you can trace out <laughs> the 3D space with them. Yeah, actually, what I was thinking of is that there's that, but additionally in Star Fox. The way that the lasers fire or the rapid fire works is instead of having uh, like a as fast as you can press rapid fire, you get burst fire. So it's like three shots really close together and then there's a break. Then three shots really close together. And so those paint a larger area when you fire off a round versus or a salvo versus the... Like Panzer Dragoon, it's like the gap between bullets varies for each button press. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of crazy to try to aim something like that in 3D. I guess that sounds like another thing that would prefer the lock-on, that it's going to be a lot more steady. Um, if you miss something with a reticle, you can kind of swerve back over to try to pick it up again. Whereas with a shot, I really feel it when I miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the lock-on is like a beam. It's a de- just a delayed beam that separates the targeting from the firing. In this next segment, we'll cover those same topics, but with regard to bosses. We'll each take a boss and answer two questions. Which works better, the shot or the laser? And how do you use the camera during this fight? Let's move on to bosses. And yourself... How would you distinguish fighting the boss of episode two while using the pistol or using the uh, the shot versus using lock-on lasers? You know, actually, uh, Vulcan guns, like the aircraft equivalent of the rapid fire, shoot uh, 6,000 rounds per minute, I think. So it's like 100 bullets a second, uh, which is exactly because of this issue where when moving at fast speeds, it's like impossible to hit something with a rapid fire shot. It's a spray and pray. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't really use that. Or, I mean, modern air combat doesn't use that. Uh, but, uh, 
so the the boss rep said to the dark dragon well this is the first fight with the dark dragon he shows up as sort of a mid boss in episode six and then as the true last boss of episode seven but he is basically the equivalent of the uh or he's like the evil version of the player's dragon they don't have names which is so dumb why would the main dragon not have a name right the main dragon doesn't have a name but the i believe the boss is the prototype dragon oh the prototype dragon what a good name <laughs> um and pants are good Panzer Dragoon Orda, right? You'd figure that the dragon is called Orda, but no, Orda is the name of the girl. The dragon is Orda's dragon. <laughs> uh, okay, so the evil Kyle on his evil dragon um, flies in from behind. So again, it's highlighting the camera. Uh, he'll sneak up on you if you're not in rear view. Uh, or if you're not looking at the radar, uh, and start attacking you, all right, yeah, he'll fire, he'll start firing at you from behind because yeah. he shoots sort of like a machine gun shot or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll let you know if you haven't seen him yet. Um, <clears throat> but he then flies around between a couple different positions, uh, which is sort of how all the bosses work. It's just that, like, Boss one, my feeling of it is that I'm moving around this airship. Like I'm circling it with the dragon versus the boss circling me, but effectively it is the same thing. So he starts behind you shooting some kind of machine gun shot, then moves in front of you and shoots a wave shot. And then he moves to the side and shoots a homing shot. And uh, when he's, in any of those positions, I think he just moves between a couple fixed positions on the screen. Uh, but he's much smaller than the other bosses, so the I just have a much easier time reading, like, oh, now he's in the high position, now he's in the low position. Uh, like, relating myself to him, or maybe it's because the dragons are the same size, that it's easier to read in 3D, like, oh, it's that's what my dragon would look like if it was that far away. But when he's, the thing is, like, his attacks aren't that hard to dodge. So he moves between these fixed positions, and he shoots a beam that, again, moves straight along the rail. And the camera isn't locked to the rail, so this is one of the weird things where, like, the rail exists as part of the game, but not, you can't see it. Space Harrier has the same issue, where... Uh, trying to figure out along which line things are moving is kind of tricky. Uh, but his projectiles are super wide and flat, uh, so it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, you just dodge high or low. You don't need to dodge laterally. And at, it's worth noting that he only fires that when he's in front of you, right? That's when you'll have the camera facing forward when you can actually move. Mm-hmm. Ah, right, right. So the homing shot is from the side, which is what you need to shoot out of the air because that's going to hit you regardless of position. So, like, I mean, a homing shot against a target that doesn't move is kind of like um, that's just pure linear. Like, uh, it doesn't even need to be homing, essentially. It's just closing in on your position, like Space Invaders. Um, the... I think 
the complexity that makes that work is that it's um kind of a I hate this term, but it's the only way I know how to express it. Like a lazy humming where there's a timer at which point it will reach you, but until that time, it's kind of moving around the screen in an irregular way, not directly towards you. So that's an extra aiming challenge. Yeah, I guess I never even really noticed that much of its behavior. You need uh, to miss more the, often. Yeah, the thing is that uh, you don't even have to see that face of the boss. You can kill him before he gets to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is, I mean, this is a really easy boss for sure. And he's one that, uh, you know, to get all the way the long way back to the uh, bullets and lasers, this is a small target. So, and it's a small lone target. So there's not really any incentive to use the bullet shot on him, except when he uses that homing shot or homing projectile that you need to knock out of the air. Well, okay, so this is a place where, like, the aiming system doesn't matter. It's the, what the damage output is between the two weapons. Because either way, it's a small target. Putting the reticle over him, like, uh, how much damage or which weapon is going to give me more damage in less time. Uh, you don't really need to consider, like, oh, I need to jump between multiple targets or there's a gap between the projectile shots or anything like that. So I don't know if you turned on max turbo fire, if you could kill this guy super fast with the bullet, but uh, realistically, no one's going to uh, do that. And you can get, uh, I think, max lock-ons on him, which would be eight. Again, I don't really know. I can't count when things are... I'd have to review video. Uh, but you can hit him with a lot of lasers, and they all instantaneously lock. You don't need to hover the cursor over him for a longer period of time to get more lock-ons. Like, that's what you would need to do in... What's an example of a game where you do that? I uh, mean, in, at, you mentioned Sonic Lost World. That's a game where you need to keep an enemy within range to stack up lock-ons. There's like a timing challenge there. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, that also differentiates this locking from uh, like your more typical, or what I think of as a more typical lock-on system is it takes a minute to acquire a lock. So we talked about like, or you described it as painting a target, which means that your cursor, as soon as it moves over, the target is locked on. And that means in a case where you can get eight lock-ons against a single target, moving your cursor across that target gives you uh, eight lasers immediately ready to fire in the exact same time that would take that it would take to prepare one laser against a single lock-on target. So that has implications for any of these like multi-lock targets, whereas like in a ace combat game to lock onto a target you need to keep the target in your reticle for a certain amount of time so it's not really a trade-off against a projectile where you would need to do that anyway so yeah you get a ton of damage by locking onto him a bunch so you just use the lock on laser yeah one thing i like about the boss is he's small about the size of your targeting cursor and so there's no guessing game of what is the target area for this. Like, where exactly do I need to drag it? <laughs> it's 
super clear how to aim at this guy. And so it has a much more immediate, I find that as a more immediate feedback that feels better than like the airship in the first level where I'm like swiping and it's like, Oh wait, it had a, a target zone in the sail. Why? Um, like, did I, do I even hurt that? I don't know. This guy just, it's very simple. One target that takes all the damage. Uh, that's all you have to think about. Or you don't even have to think about it. All right. From there, I want to move on to Adrian. Uh, Adrian, you wanted to talk about the boss of episode four. Um, could you describe how fighting this boss with, with shots is different than with lasers? With shots different than lasers? Well, for one, he straight up counters your lasers. Uh, because he's able to block them until you know you you bring him down to where it's just a floating head. This is a boss where you need to not hit the body; you need to target his little arm shields. And as you inflict damage upon the arms, uh, they will come off, reducing the amount of attacks the boss does. And then you get him to a head and blow him the fuck up. Yeah. So this has like. A lot of the game prefers that you use the lock-on laser, and so this guy just has a hard block against that. It's not like there's a a balancing of the two options. It's more just you just don't have a laser. Now, there is, there is something interesting you can do to counter him by forcing him to pull up his arms to block, and that is his arms... Well, when you have him put his arms in front of his face to block your homing shots... It makes his arms an easier target to shoot with the regular shots. So it doesn't mean the homing is completely useless. Uh, in fact, it, it forces him to pull up his weak point, which makes it easier to shoot at, versus when he has his arms laying on the sides, which makes it a thinner target. No, that's yeah. really nuanced. That's the best part about it, I feel like, is that it the two shots are interacting with each other. Yeah. One shot is used to set up the next shot. Yeah. You're uh, you're pointing to a depth of interplay, like a one step follows from the next, or from the yep. prior. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a two-step two interplay, which you don't need a lot of interplay to make something interesting. And how does this guy play with the camera? So this boss, you first first he's you know looks like a pile of rubbish in front of you. It fall, comes behind you, and then it becomes active. Comes from behind, flies in front, but then the fight starts back from behind again. He messes with you like that back and forth. He's like behind and front, behind and front. Yeah. Sometimes it will literally. It's this is not really a boss that you engage with from the side. It's it's strictly front and back. But when he's in the back, there have been moments where sometimes he'll go back, not do anything, and immediately go back to the front. So he can uh, kind of fake you out in that way uh, just to get you to you know, keep you on your toes. In the back, the attack he initiates are those uh, blue... I don't know if they actually are homing projectiles, but you know it's these sort of blue torpedo-looking things. Uh, They're targeted. I think the term is aimed, right? When they... Uh, he fires at you wherever you are but they won't like change trajectory okay so he fires these blue aimed projectiles um like many of the other projectiles that boss shoot especially 
in the rear and back views, you can't lock onto him, so you have to shoot him out of the air before they hit you. When he's in the front, he has three different moves that he can do. One is the homing. Well, there's two variations on those uh, aimed shots that he that he has. One is where he just fires like two regular uh, of those blue aimed projectiles. In other words, he's, he fires like a whole flurry of them, just like a, a whole barrage. And that one is getting you to take more advantage of the front for you, where you kind of like swing, uh, swing around in, in a kind of a big quarter circle to avoid them all. Or you can shoot them out if you're, if you're crazy like, like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny, you can, you can actually, you can totally do it. Those aren't aimed, though, right? Like, that's just a long an along-the-rail attack? I thought they were, but honestly, like you said, it's so hard to read in this game. Yeah, I can't tell. I know. I just know that they're, they're not homing, or they're not a very strong homing. Okay. I just, uh, instead of doing the circular dodge, I just stay, I just go to whatever opposite corner that he's in, and it'll miss completely. Oh my god. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's short enough that it's that you don't have to do a whole, you know, quarter circle around the screen. Uh, it, his other attacks is he can shoot one of his arms. Uh, this one's a two-step attack, so just because you, you dodge it the first time, you, that doesn't mean you're totally in the clear. You gotta watch out for when it comes back. <laughs> oh yeah. And the last one is his little uh, green laser beam, and this one is a you know fly fly around in a circle to dodge the beam. Uh, it's also the one that made me realize, wow, the movement of this game is very. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's not quite. I don't know. I just like Star Fox more. Would you say it's unresponsive? I can describe it more in more detail if we want to get into it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt this part to talk about it, but th- there's more nuance to it than just sluggish. Well, Adrian, would you <clears throat> say this is a good time to go into that detail? Yeah, because this this boss is specifically exploiting it. One, the way, and this is why I was trying <laughs> to avoid getting into the minutia between Panzer Dragoon and Star Fox. But for one, because the camera is not as quite locked into that valley mode the way Star Fox is. It's harder to notice it actually moving, so there's quite, there's like a little bit of a turning that it does before you actually see it move left on the screen. Um, same with it moving up and down, and even when you look at how much it moves, it doesn't seem like it actually moves all that far to begin with. You can also consider that the dragon itself is much... It might sound weird to say, but it's much bigger, or it take up, takes up more of the screen in the default view. It just doesn't seem as maneuverable. There's yeah, bit, yeah. There's a bit more of a, a wind-up time before it actually starts moving in that direction. I wouldn't say acceleration. It's t- no. I can I, I can tell you what's happening because okay. I I did test this a little bit and I tested it compared to Star Fox sixty four. Okay. I didn't compare. I didn't do Star Fox sixty four in quite as much depth, but. Yeah, because I had the same sense initially, like, something just, it feels weird about the movement, but it's like, 
I couldn't, I can't put my finger, and the camera, but it's like, why does it work in Star Fox? Like, it's never bothered me there. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that controls great. And and then I was like, and Sin and Punishment, too, it controls great. Well, Sin and Punishment, I put in and was like, okay, this, the camera doesn't move. That's why it feels fine there. Like, it's just a gallery shooter. Mm-hmm. It's um, There's almost never, or there's never lateral ca- camera movement when there's action happening. Uh, and so that's simple. Uh, then in Star Fox, what happens is the uh, contr- the reticle always snaps back to align directly with the ship, uh, mm-hmm. like along the rail. And what that means is that uh, as soon as you let go of the input, uh, you're centered again, and the next input, the our wing will move direct immediately in that direction. So you can like weave left and right really quickly. And even more quickly because you've got the um, the half roll buttons, which will uh, speed up your turning. So then in Panzer Dragoon, the way it works is that you're really controlling the cursor more so than the dragon. I mean, you could maybe say that about Star Fox as well. But um, so when you move the cursor, if the cursor moves to the right of the dragon, then the dragon will move right some to move towards the cursor. And then when the cursor gets to the left of the dragon, the dragon will move left some. But while you're moving left and the cursor is to the right of the dragon, the dragon won't move left. Uh, So that's why it feels like there's a lag on the movement. Because as you drag it back and forth across the screen, the dragon is not doing that quick weave like the Arwing in Star Fox. Instead, it's waiting. You could think of it as a very slow rotation that it's doing. Yeah. I mean, which is basically what's happening. So it's more like a tank that's being controlled uh, than it is like a. Well, I mean, yeah. So <clears throat> that's one. That's part one of why it feels weird. Part two is that the. Reticle, well, this is not so much the movement, but the aiming, where the reticle is based on the position, or it's centered on the position of the dragon in space. It's not centered based on the camera. So if the dragon, when the dragon starts moving in that process, so the reticle is moving at one speed uh, to start with. Well, I think it's one speed. It, It feels linear. So... When you hold left on the control pad, like the it starts moving left at a linear speed. Now, once the dragon starts moving, uh, I have a harder time reading exactly how the dragon moves, but I that feels linear as well. It doesn't feel parabolic. So, well, I don't know. Because it, it, it just doesn't move very much. So it's hard to get this nuance out of it. Yeah. But point being, the reticle is moving at one speed. Then as soon as the dragon starts moving, it kicks up to a second speed. And so you've got like a two-stage acceleration on the reticle so that it feels like halfway, if you're doing a wide sweeping movement, then halfway through the movement, it's going to speed up. And uh, (laughs) on top of that, the dragon will continue moving after you've finished an input to get towards closer to where the reticle is. So that means that sometimes, even though... 
And the reticle, like I said, is based on the position of the dragon. So if the dragon moves, the reticle moves. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the reticle will continue moving after you've stopped inputting because the dragon is still moving to catch up to where it wants to be. Uh, so there's not only a startup lag, but there's an end lag on controlling the aim. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it, it's like those two or three, however you want to count it, factors that make it feel just unresponsive or, or just just a bit tricky. You know, less of a substantive observation. Uh, one of the reviews I came across just preparing for today mentioned like oh i really like how it feels like the um it feels like you're playing as a boy controlling a dragon and not as the dragon and it seems like what you're describing is what's creating yeah. that sensation <laughs> yeah kind of it's like you're uh digging your knee into the dragon's side to tell it to move it doesn't respond immediately <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of like a steering a horse right that flies I guess where I would, um, I guess then the way I, I, I could summarize it based on all the details yourself laid out is that the relationship between the dragon and the cursor is much more complex and much more nuanced, whereas the reticle and R-wing and Star Fox is much more direct because the the reticle is basically like where the the nose of the ship is pointing which is where the guns are pointing uh, by extension and you can literally see where the ship is pointing and it'll, how it lines up with the reticle to get an idea of how it's going to shoot in 3d space whereas by and large you have a guy who shoots independent of where the dragon is pointing yeah there's i think like the the subjective impact of all this is the immediacy of mm -hmm. Star Fox versus Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. It's uh <clears throat> there's there's a couple of other things with the movement, but the short version is Panzer Dragoon, you can very much tell that it is not a game made with you flying around and over stuff. Like that was not as prominently featured as it was in Star Fox where it's like, oh yeah, you can fly uh -huh. around and over stuff. The terrain, like, yeah, Star Fox, I mean, even on SNES, Star Fox immediately highlights, like, look, you can swoop through an arch. Yeah. Like, there is one arch to go through in the beginning of <laughs> episode one, and then, like, maybe that happens one or two. Oh, you know what? Section highlights it is the doors, the closing and opening doors at the end of episode four. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very easy segment that because it's like the range of motion and the speed of motion of the dragon is so slow uh, that you it's basically either move up and right, move down and left, or stay in the center versus Star Fox where you need to know like a, you need to be able to understand a more nuanced position of the R wing. <laughs> yeah, with the R wing you can like be vertical. And uh, it, it turns dodging doors into a whole section yeah. at some points. Yeah. Yeah, Sector X in um, the SNES one is just all about positioning the R-Wing. I think it's Sector X. is all about positioning the R-Wing around, like, vertically around terrain. <clears throat> Bring it back to the Episode four boss for us. You were talking about the laser and how... um. 
moving around in that front view is really uh, called to attention with that laser attack. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any reflections on how that laser attack draws out distinctions between shots versus lock-on. Uh, for the, the problem, I actually didn't bother trying to shoot him in that phase, just mm. because, and this is another detail with the camera on Panzer Dragoon, because it is not locked the same way it is in Star Fox, you can basically look away from the boss, and it's like in the bottom right <laughs> corner of the screen to where you can't even see him anymore. And the boss sometimes even deliberately moves to that position. I'm not sure if it how it decides where to start that, but it's always doing it in the corner. So that's why I never bothered, because like, well, my cursor pretty much moves to the edges just so I can steer the damn dragon to quickly move in that pattern. Uh, just so I can avoid the attack, so that's why I never bothered taking taking shots at it during that phase. So no highlighting differences there, but I wouldn't be the one to speak to it since I didn't attempt it. Uh, that's was kind of how I handled it as well. Um, the only difference I'd say is that I the laser follows you, right? It's not in a fixed pattern. Yes. Okay. So what I did was try to move in circles around the area so that I would at least loop over the boss as I crossed path as the laser was chasing me around, so that I could do like one pass of homing lasers and then circle around with the laser chasing me and then maybe get a second pass and doing it that way for the exact same reasons I was talking about with the dark dragon, the homing laser just way outweighs the benefits of the uh, rapid shot. Yeah. From personal experience, I can say with such tight dodging, it's easy to miss with the normal shot. And then you've just wasted that whole pass. Whereas with the laser, you're scanning over it, there's no way you're not going to get a lock. So I'm going to call it there on the episode 4 boss, unless anyone else has any lingering thoughts. Nope. Uh, One thing, um, the dodge move. Uh, I know Greg and I knew about this, or Shouty, did you and Adrian use the dodge move at all? Like, for this boss? Or at all? It's the dodge (laughs) move. You double tap. I had a yeah, I had a feeling you didn't know. Um, <laughs> exactly. You double tap and it gets you a faster, like it's an immediate move in the direction that you double tapped. Uh, so it gets over that issue where with the reticle where you need to wait till it drags past the dragon. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, I never used that. So, <laughs> so for this guy's attacks for his arm attack and his laser attack they're quicker than the big attacks that the dark dragon throws at you so I found the dodge move to be pretty helpful on him Hmm. alright with that Shouty let's move on to the episode 5 boss Shouty could you characterize fighting this boss with the shot versus with the laser yeah, I think this boss relies mostly on the shots, at least in my experience. I think using the laser is too slow, and when it's constantly shooting at you, you're gonna want to keep. You're gonna want to stick to using shots uh, to take care of the projectiles that are headed right towards you. Right, like most of the projectiles, these are the um, the famous meatballs where you can't lock onto them. Yeah. 
how does this boss make use of the camera? Uh, the boss will occasionally move around you. Like, it'll move to one side and then another. And you'll have to keep following it in order to keep damaging and also blow up its meatball shots. So, yeah, you, you're constantly, you're going to have to be constantly using the camera to track the boss's movements. What's interesting, though, is, um, you know, the other bosses change when they approach you from different angles. Does this boss change? I don't really think so. It, it changes as you're, def as you're um, damaging it. It has these uh, carousels that it fires the shots from, so... As you damage them, they'll break off, and uh, it won't be as hard to um, shoot all the shots that are coming towards you. The boss gets easier as you go through its health. Actually, something this this boss does uh, when it moves around you that the other bosses don't do is it rotates. Uh, so this guy has like a front and a back that are different. Uh, he's not rotationally symmetrical so like he does this like uh, like dance with you where he rotates around as he as he orbits you he also revolves and so when he's moving when he's shooting at you his rotation stays the same but uh as he's leaving one angle and moving to the next angle the target points are all rotating around or revolving around in space as the boss is also orbiting around you. So it's kind of a different kind of movement, more of a sine wave type of movement. Yeah, but when he gets behind you, he 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 puts his back to your back, so you don't have to keep shooting at him when when his back is when you're back to back. In fact, you can get some free shots as, for whatever reason, his back is towards you because the carousels uh, poke out uh, briefly from behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only real relevance of that rotation is in between phases if you're trying to get extra shots. It's not like the primary targeting scenario. Yeah. And... I'm pretty sure the second phase is always in front of you, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, you'll have to take care of the rockets that he shoots at you if you're not quick on enough to uh, rapid fire on the weak the weak point. I think you can kill him rather quickly if you're just able to mash buttons and mash shots at, at his weak weak, weak spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is a guy where turbo fire completely like changes the game. Yeah, which I I guess makes sense. This is a, the like you just said, it's the projectile or the rapid fire focused boss instead of the ones Adrian and I talked about were much more. Well, Adrian's was a combination, and mine was more laser based. But you would expect the rapid fire based boss would be really affected by having a turbo button. The weak point is also uh, kind of segmented, so there's the there's like three pieces to that blue section you're shooting at. Oh yeah, and it yeah, falls it's... apart as you shoot at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. <sighs> uh, 
I was going to say it looks stupid. <laughs> the boss mostly looks stupid, lo- but I like the way you uh, blow up, blow open that uh, blue piece, the blue pieces at the it, end. That's the thing. It just looks like polygons are falling off of him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what it represents. It's like metal the plating. Boss, the boss in general doesn't really feel like it's all the way here. Like, the fact that you have <laughs> the dirigibles um, coming in, it feels like those are its handlers. It's like, oh, we didn't finish this boss. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, let's just try and hold off the dragon man. See what we can do. Oh, no. We, we can't hold them off. It's a, it's like a revenge of the... Or it's a return of the Jedi situation where the Death Star is not complete. Yeah. All right. Is that all for reflections on the boss of Episode 5? My only thing I would add is the carousel things you shoot uh, probably have the crudest hitboxes I've ever seen to where, or it's probably something going on with the reticle where I would have it right on top of it and the shots go through so I always have to like tap up and down the d-pad until eventually he starts registering the hits. Uh, I did not enjoy that part of the fight. I encountered the same thing and I wondered if maybe the shot was like clipping on one carousel and not getting to the one that I thought I was aiming at. Mm. Yeah. Whatever it is, it uh, just wasn't that fun. I had a couple more notes on this one. One was that you can't multi-lock any of this boss's weak points. So uh, if you can't multi-lock on something, I think the damage output of the rapid shot is always going to be better. Uh, Just because there's an inherent delay in firing homing lasers to charge them up. And if you're shooting multiple targets with a homing laser, then there's the additional delay of moving your cursor around. Mm -hmm. So it feels like the lasers don't hurt him. They do, but just very slowly. I think... Wait, didn't we test this, Greg? Do they hurt him? Uh, I think what you're thinking of is um, the lasers don't hurt him when his back is to you. Oh, right. When back <laughs> into you, you can still lock onto the carousels, but the lasers don't hurt. But most uh, of the time, they do work. Yeah, it's on or off whether they go through geometry. Hmm. Uh, and then, like, one prominent example where they do is in episode one, where there's those ruins that you're flying through, and you can shoot everything way before you can even see it. Oh, yeah. But the other thing with him is just to bring up the dodge move again. Well, this is related to the camera as well. When he's he fires, as Shadi mentioned, the same thing from the front as he does from the sides, which means that when he's firing it from the in these different conditions, you have to you have different tools available to deal with it because front view is different than side view. Uh, So you can move out of the way of the meatballs in front view, which feels much better to me because there's just such a cluster of them and they're (laughs) like the way that their paths intersect is weird. So it makes them hard to read. And of course they're sprites. So that's harder to read. But then when he's in the side view, you can't do that. And so it's like, okay, you can depend on the rapid shot, but, my finger gets tired and especially if like I die on him once and then I'm playing the level through a second time. It's like, Oh, I just want to get this over with. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Like I want a surefire way to do this, uh, where the rapid shots, like I could, I just can't count on it. Every once in a while, a projectile will get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes there, even when he's to the side of me, I still use the front view, which is one of the rare times in the game that I would do that. But that's because you can still move in the front view. You don't get a good look at the projectiles coming at you, but if you can quickly change views or if you have a sense of the timing, then you can use vertical and, well, mostly vertical dodges to get above or below those barrages uh, without needing to shoot them out. Is is there a sound cue? <laughs> uh, like a... <laughs> Uh, not a, not one that was good enough or, or not one that I was able to take advantage of. Yeah, okay. to wrap things up i wanted to go over um an important topic i forgot to talk about earlier um shouty what is your favorite dragon in media Mm, i don't really like dragons (laughs) (laughs) oh man whoa that's a strong statement uh adrian what is your favorite dragon in media well, 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 in the entire world history of like all the dragons in fiction, you're just gonna you don't like any dragons. <laughs> you don't yeah, like dragon don't like... Pokemon. You don't like <laughs> kaiju monsters. You don't like fantasy dragons. You don't like Chinese dragons. Yeah, I don't really like any Is it of the them. Teeth? <laughs> teeth? No, it's just I don't like. Uh, I don't like the, the concept of. I don't like the concept of dragons in general. Just something about it rubs me the wrong way. What about dinosaurs? Do you like dinosaurs? Yeah, I like dinosaurs. Alright, well that's a dragon. There you go. Yeah, I guess so. Just take off the wings. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if, I mean, Yoshi's a dragon, dinosaurs. right? And he's a dinosaur? No, Yoshi is, uh, <sighs> is a lot of things. <laughs> Most importantly, a tax fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Adrian, do you have a favorite dragon? Um, I I was trying to remember one from the 2003 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, but I don't remember if that was actually a dragon or if it was just a red dinosaur thing, so I'm not going to pick that one. I'm going to go with Magma Dragoon. It says Dragoon Mm -hmm. in his name. It's Magma Dragoon. Well, yeah, but Dragoons aren't dragons. Yeah, that actually doesn't mean dragon. (laughs) What is your favorite Dragoon in media? He he looks... Yeah, he's my favorite Dragoon. Uh, Yeah, historically, Dragoons are like a military thing. What is his... Oh, yeah, there he is, Draco. 
King of the Dragon Man. Yeah, he uh, that that was like my uh, my favorite design of a dragon. So uh, then yourself, do you have any favorite dragons from media? I'm just trying to figure out what Magma Dragoon's haiku is. (laughs) (laughs) Haiku? It's like he... Something with the regular hunters, I think. Oh, right, right, right. He betrayed betrayed the the irregular hunters and hit himself in a volcano. Inside a volcano. I got one word. (laughs) It had hunters in it. Um... (laughs) King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is the best. All right. I'm going to say, um, personally, I like the dragon from Beowulf. Uh, just because I really didn't like that story, but then that la- that ending was very poignant. So I- You like that it killed Beowulf and got it over with? <laughs> <laughs> that, that passed my mind, yeah. Um, <laughs> Shouty, any final words on Panzer Dragoon? It's not Star Fox. Uh, sh- I don't know. My copy says that it's Star Fox. <laughs> it says Star Fox on the box. Adrian, any final words on Panzer Dragoon? Like many other games in the commune, it was interesting to play. I mean, it's, it didn't get as rough as something like Echo the Dolphin. Um, but <laughs> My each- God. Yeah, yeah, don't compare it to Echo. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... With each of the different decisions that Panzer Dragoon made that set it apart from Star Fox are all the things that I keep mulling over how much I actually like them. But the end result is that it's a, it's a pretty mad game for me. All right. Yourself, any final thoughts on Panzer Dragoon? Uh, yeah, there are few enough rail shooters in the world that, like, it's inherently interesting. You know, rail shooters are some kind of an artifact of history, like early 3D gaming. Mm-hmm. Haven't quite developed the idea of third-person camera abstraction or how to, or, like, good controllers for um, uh, operating a camera abstraction at the same time as a character. So uh, they're, like, a just interesting sort of footnote mm-hmm. uh where something like a gallery shooter like wild guns or sin and punishment those feel a lot more like a typical third person shooter where there's a, a separation between the aim of the like the reticle aiming and the character aiming are two different things um so that yeah i mean that fact that you can't separate the aiming does that limits the gameplay a lot and then you add on top of that that the lasers are a guaranteed hit like they're not something that exists in 3d space and it it really does flatten the game down uh to a pretty rudimentary 2d space for most of the uh or for the most part and uh so you wanted to talk about uh interplay with enemies for this podcast but um and there were some good instances of it. Uh, there's just a lot of enemies that don't have much going on. And so when you have the really rudimentary mechanics, you need more of that interplay to keep the game challenging or interesting. Um, and for the most part, Panzer Dragoon doesn't have that. But I will say, I, I wouldn't really write it off. It's an interesting game to play. Um, it's, it is fun for a couple playthroughs. It gets boring after a while, but... Uh, 
And it has two sequels, which uh, I haven't played Spy, but Orta definitely is... Um, I don't know if you'd say it's a response to Panzer Dragoon, but like everything where Panzer Dragoon feels lacking, Orta picks up the slack and then some. Mm. Um, and Sly, I know, is supposed to be more interesting as well. I'd like to get a chance to try that, but I would definitely recommend trying Panzer Dragoon Orta for a good rail shooter. All right. Um, personally, I just want to mention that... Um... The remake uh, from the scant time I've spent with it is very similar to the Saturn original, but not like a, an exact copy. And maybe the most stark instance of that is the uh, is the control. Um, the dragon feels a lot uh, feels a lot more responsive, and I'm not entirely sure why. It might be there's a sensitivity setting going on there or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to mention. Could it be just that visually easier it's, or visually it's easier to read? I mean, a lot of times things feel like they can feel like they control better, uh, just because you can see what's, you can see the response better. Like if you look at, uh, like early 3d racing games where they don't have a rotational model on the car, even though they're doing rotational physics, it's like, well, it feels like the controls are bad, but actually you just can't see, uh, the output. That's certainly possible. Um, definitely the frame rate is way better in the remake. And obviously the resolution, I'm able to pick out objects from the background, like the, uh, sand scorpions in episode two don't, sneak up on me out of nowhere um so yeah it could just be that the graphical feedback is is way better resolution does a ton for perspective in 3d games i mean sega saturn is right on the threshold of having enough resolution to even display a 3d environment <laughs> yeah um all right well then i guess that's it for us, uh, Adrian's not here to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, thanks for joining me on this podcast. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right. Okay, bye. Uh, thanks for... Yep. All music in this podcast was taken from Panzer Dragoon. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>